Welcome to Truth Serum. In the previous episode, we listened to Sharon's story about his battle with depression, his attempts at suicide, and the suicidal thoughts that continually plagued him. This week, we will continue with our topic, depression and suicide. I would like to respond to some of the issues that Sharon raised and to buttress some of the points he made as well. I want us to look at how our thinking styles or thinking errors make us more prone to depression and even suicide. And then I will also like to respond to four questions that were asked by some of our listeners. If you remember, I did ask that people should reach out to me if they wanted me to treat some particular um, um, questions. So I'll be doing that in this episode. Depression is a very important topic. And so we need to really talk about it. Why? Because depression can happen to any one of us, especially with the fear and uncertainty and the stress levels that's prevalent in the society today. Now, I don't know if you know, but the thing is, when a feeling like depression is shared by the majority of people, then more people are likely to have it. When you have a feeling like stress, anxiety, fear, that is, you know, the prevailing feeling, then more people are likely to feel that way because it's like it gets, it gets stronger. It's very important for you and I to learn how to manage depression, how to keep it away from us, how to manage ourselves so that during this period, we are able to um, manage our stress, manage our anxiety levels, and manage the fear that, that, that is pervading the environment at the moment. Now, my name is Dupe Wigwe, and I am your host on this program. I am a CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Counselor, NLP Master Practitioner, and Trauma Coach. I'm currently pursuing my master's program in Marriage and Family Therapy with the North Central University. With me, it's always about mental health. So stay tuned for this week's episode of Truth Serum. I'll be right back. There are many possible causes of depression, and they include faulty mood regulation by the brain, genetic vulnerability, stressful life events, medications, and medical problems. Now, in addition to that, is the fact that if a child grows up in a home where depression is the general um, response to issues, then that child is likely to be conditioned that way. In other words, that's, that's more likely to be the way that child will respond to life issues as well. Like I've said before, our thinking styles can also make us very prone to depression. Now, if you go back over the, think, the episodes that we did on thinking styles and you look at the 12 different thinking errors, right? If you have any one of those or a combination of those, then you are more likely to be prone to depression. And not only that, when you're depressed, the same thinking styles make it very difficult to get over your um, depression. Now, at the same time too, the good news is that 
just by changing one's thinking, one can overcome depression or one can keep depression far away from one. And that is why thinking styles, I keep repeating, it's very, very important that you become aware of your thinking style. It's important to note that just feeling sad or upset for a couple of days does not necessarily mean that you are depressed. However, if you're feeling down or hopeless on a regular basis, then you could be dealing with depression. And when you find yourself in a situation like that, you need to talk to somebody fast. Depression is considered a serious medical condition and it can get worse without proper treatment. Those who seek treatment often see improvements in symptoms in just a few weeks. Now let us quickly look at some of the issues um, Sharon raised. One of them was that he said he had been depressed. You know, this was a, a young man who had been sent to go and live with this uncle um, because of something he had done, something wrong, you know, that he had done. And he had to go and live with this uncle who was extremely hard on him. And, of course, he was overwhelmed by feelings of isolation, feelings of... Um, um, hopelessness, like is he ever going to get out of this situation? You know, is there any end in sight? You know, and that was his first attempt at suicide. Now, this feeling of overwhelm and hopelessness, this feeling can make us do crazy stuff, eh? and that's why it's very, very important that when you find yourself beginning to feel that way, you need to reach out to somebody, you know, do something about it. So, Definitely, for um, one to get suicidal, that feeling of overwhelm and hopelessness plays a very major role. And you know, the funny thing is that it's a lie, right? Because that hopelessness is just for that moment. It's just for that time, that season in life. Because before you know it, things can change. Yeah, sometimes we stay in it for a bit. But things do change. That's the truth. It defies the law of nature for something to remain the same. However, at the point at which we are going through that situation, we're so overwhelmed. It looks as if it's the absolute end. Like nothing can ever get better. Now, what I'm saying is that's a lie. Everything changes. Everything. Now, note that any attempt at suicide, even if the person was not successful, it should be taken with utmost seriousness. That person should be in or should be on suicide watch in an ideal society. But just saying that for anybody who is around such a person, the person should be on suicide watch. Just assume that they can do it again. Because what it just means is that their own way of responding to issues is overwhelmed, is faulty, right? As such, you can't trust them to be able to take the right decision when they are confronted with issues again. Therefore, you need to get help for them. And you need to be aware of this so that you are not um, leaving them alone or um, unduly putting more pressure on them so that it's bringing them to that point again and again. So it's very, very important. Even if your friend or anybody you know keeps talking about, oh, it makes me feel like killing myself, I feel like committing suicide, those are not usual things to say. They're not not usual things to say. As such, take notice. Don't joke with it. 
I'll tell you a story. There's this person who was close to me, and he had a friend who um, had a bad loan, you know, a debt he was owing one of the banks. And um, he had been complaining about, he had been talking about it, you know, talking about the fact that he couldn't see any way out and, you know, how he was feeling as if he wanted to commit suicide. Well, some of the other friends, I mean, there were a group of friends, you know, some of the others now brought him to this person who um, I said is close to me, you know, saying, talk to him. You know, he keeps talking about this thing. We don't know if he means it or not, you know. So this guy that I say is close to me, he just said, oh, please, uh-huh. somebody who wants to commit suicide doesn't go around telling people, forget it, he doesn't really mean it. He doesn't mean it, you know? And, you know, <laughs> while they were talking, he even told the guy to his face, said like, my friend, if you're insisting on doing this, then do it quickly. Why are you wasting everybody's time? And, you know, just um, um, threatening that you want to commit suicide, you want to commit suicide. Do you think you're the only person with problems in the world? Now, and guess what, unfortunately? The guy did commit suicide, right? Now, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Now, this guy that I said was close to me, he was in shock for, I don't know, how many weeks because he couldn't believe it. He thought the guy was joking. So what I'm saying, in effect, is don't make light of this thing. When, you, when somebody's telling you that's how they're feeling, take it very seriously indeed. Because you'd be surprised at what people can do. You can imagine. For Shion, he's very fortunate he didn't succeed, you know, with all his attempts. Because can you imagine, today he feels that life is worth living. But if he had succeeded at that point, there would be no life today. So I'm just saying that things do get better. Nature, It just defies the law of nature for anything to remain the same. And that includes that problem, no matter what problem it is that we're going through today. Nothing stays the same. Things will change. Now, it's also interesting to note the things that made Sheung also start to feel that life life was worth living. You know, one of them was that he felt he had something to offer. When someone asked him a question and it was something he knew, which he was surprised that the, the, the other man did not even know, you know. And at that time, he just felt like, you know, there's something I have to give. There's, there's still something I have to offer, you know. Um, you know, a feeling of somehow still being worthy, right? That's what happened. Feeling that he, he, he was still worth something. Now, the second one is listening to somebody else's story and finding out that his wasn't the worst. And those were turning points for him, you know. So I would like to mention here that it's very, very important that you build it into your skills to learn to celebrate all your small wins. The things that you do right, celebrate it. Notice it. Don't be one of those people who are so, you know, critical of themselves that you never notice that, uh, the things that you do right, that you're always putting yourself down, right? That's a thinking error. So if you keep telling, if you keep patting yourself on the back for the things that you do well, you know, those times when you're feeling down or you're feeling upset, you're likely to be more able to encourage yourself and to remind yourself of those times when you were able to do something right and tell yourself that that's the same me. I could do it. I did it then and I can still do it again. So these things are like ammunition, you know, they're resources for us. 
So you, you need to be able, you need to learn to be able to uh, package those things. Yes, <laughs> that's a word for it. Package those things. Keep them at the back of your mind every time. Make it a point of duty to celebrate your small wins and to be able to encourage yourself. Then, of course, realizing that yours is never the worst. Honestly, you listen to somebody else's story and you just find yourself being grateful for your own. And that's one of the reasons why we talk about keeping a gratitude journal. Remember, in our 12 thinking errors and the 7 tips for managing our thinking styles, we talked about keeping a gratitude journal, right? It's very, very important. Honestly, it just changes the way we look at life. When you just look for something, at least 10 things a day to just be grateful for. It really helps. Sean talked about laughing, you know, distracting himself by laughing, finding something to laugh about. That's very important. I even, you know, I watch cartoons a lot, right? I look for comedy that I can, you know, listen to. It's something to make me laugh regularly. Uh, and I, I honestly, I recommend it. Like medicine, I recommend it. Let's say laughter is good for the soul. And this is very true. So take Sheryl's advice and find something to laugh about. Very, very key. Now, something else again is exercise. Honestly, exercise is good, good, good. So to, be, to take a walk, that helps. To jog, if you're somebody who jogs. If you're somebody who um, uses a treadmill, you know, whatever it is. But do some exercise. Do you know it is very difficult to remain depressed while you are exercising? Interesting, isn't it? It's just difficult. So do some exercise. That's very, very important. It may not be much fun going on your own. Or you may not feel particularly motivated. But find a partner. Even if you have to tell them the reason why you need it. So that they can take it seriously. But do that. You know, treat this thing like your life depends on it. Because at the end of the day, yes, your life, your life does depend on it. You know? So definitely do some exercise. That's very key. Shem also mentioned talking to somebody. Yes, that's very important. You know, that's the one I started with. You need to talk to somebody when you're feeling this way. Honestly, you don't have to suffer alone. Talk to somebody. Very, very important. And the key here is somebody you are comfortable with. Even if it is a friend, talk to that person. Now, for those of you who are listening and people come to you to discuss their issues, first things, do not laugh at it. Do not make light of whatever it is the person is um, um, talking to you about because for them, it is real and it is serious. Even if you can't, even if it looks light to you, but for them, it is real. Respect that. There's a lot to learn from Sheung's story, so I'm really grateful that he chose to share with us. Now, I'd like to address some of the questions that people asked. You know, um, we had eight questions in all, but I will only be answering four questions today. The first question, someone said, is it not only a coward and selfish person that would commit suicide and traumatize people around him or her? Well, to be honest, I don't know if it's about cowardice or selfishness. You know, I think there are more things that we don't know than what we do know. One thing that I'm certain about, though, is that at that point, that person was feeling overwhelmed 
that person felt as if there was no way out. Because if they knew better, if they could do better, they probably would have. That was what they could do at that time. All they could think of was getting out of a very, very bad situation that didn't seem to have any end to it. Now, you can say all sorts of things, right? All I can say is that that's how they felt at that time. And that's the only thing we can use. I'll tell you a story. Again, somebody very, very close to me, right? Um, she had been ill, you know, on and off. And I maybe that made her feel there was no point. I don't know. But when she fell ill again, she, she gave up. She gave up completely. And I remember a lot of people from her church who would go to the hospital, you know, to pray with her. At some point, she just stopped saying amen. First, she had said, look, stop praying. Stop but everybody thought, how can she, you know, it's just the illness, maybe even the medication. Why is she talking like that? You know, and so they just kept praying. She just stopped saying amen. So she would wait for everybody to finish. And then she would start to talk about something else as if, you know, that never happened. And it, continu it continued for a while. Apparently, she had just given up completely. She died eventually. And I was traumatized because I couldn't understand it. I felt, why would she give up that way? You know, I had so many questions. But eventually, I just calmed down because, you know, I don't have the answers to those questions. But one thing I do know for sure is that at that point, the person felt there was no way out. And did you even know that there are different ways that people do this? There are some people who will jump right in front of a, a moving train. There are some people who will slit their wrists or, you know, or take pills. But there are some other people that will just engage in self-destructive behavior. As if they can't do it themselves, you know, they, they will put themselves in harm's way just so that something can end it all for them. Now, what I do know is that this is enough reason for us to be more tolerant with other people. In other words, for us to be more attentive when somebody else is going through something. Yes, you may be going through your own stuff, but I'm just saying that let's pay attention to somebody else because just maybe you may be stronger, you know, in dealing with your own issues. Someone else may not be. And just being able to give that helping hand can help. At the same time, too, sometimes there's nothing we can do when people have given up. Some people will go, no matter what you do, no matter what your best intentions are. And that brings me to the next um, question. And somebody asked that, how do you go on when someone close to you commits suicide? That's a very, very deep one, you know, because it's not easy. There is no way this thing will not traumatize you. I know of families where people have not been themselves again after one of them committed suicide. I'm talking about a situation where a sibling grows up with that trauma and engages in self-destructive behavior just because they're looking for answers. They can't understand how could this happen? Why could he do this? Why did she do this? You know, and they can't understand. They're looking for those answers. 
all I can say at this point in time is that everybody's journey is different. I don't know your journey, you don't know mine. As such, if we have that at the back of our minds, then we can forgive and let those people go. Because it has happened. Now, the worst tragedy is if it is not only that person who is gone, but because of that person, every other person can't move on. Now, that's a greater tragedy. The only thing that we can do, like I said, is to understand that their journey is different and their journey is their journey. Everybody's journey is personal to them. You can't live somebody else's life. And that's something that we just need to accept and respect that that's the way it is. And when we understand that, trying to go on with our own life as much as possible, that's the only other alternative. That's the next thing that we can do, right? Another question is, how do you help somebody who is suicidal? Well, I believe from all the things that we've discussed so far, I've been able to answer that question. And so it brings us to the final question. You know, this person says, isn't it the parent's fault? You know, I guess because thinking that maybe in Sean's case, you know, everything that happened probably is the parent's uh, fault. Honestly speaking, you see this thing called parenting, nobody came down with a manual. All of us are doing the best that we can. So I wouldn't be so quick to apportion blame and say this person is to blame for this or that. However, what I would say, though, is that all of us can learn from this. There are areas for improvement. Because even today, with the younger generation, these things are still going on. It's very important for us to learn from this. One of the key things that should exist in any relationship is communication. Because if there's communication, it makes things a lot better. And I think um, I really hope that that's something that we can take away from this. The importance of being able to communicate with whether it's your friend, your child, your spouse, your parents, being able to communicate with them, that's so, so, so important. Very, very critical. And with that, we come to the end of this episode. I would like to thank all of you who um, sent in your questions and reached out to me. Thank you all very much. If there is anything I haven't addressed, please do not hesitate to get in touch with me. Next week, we're going to be talking about fear, this thing called fear. And because it's pervading the environment at the moment, I think it's something that we need to talk about. What is fear? How can we transform fear? How can we turn it into personal power, especially at this point in time when everywhere you look, that's what you see? Fear, anxiety, tension. So I look forward to seeing you next week. And until we meet again next week, I'd like to say stay safe and continue to work on your thinking styles. Be aware of your thinking errors and start working on them. Take care of you and God bless.